light of infinite. My mom, Frida Livonau Bat Shalom, taught Talmud to women, made sculptures, painted, played accordion, and became a partner, CPA, and an accounting firm in Washington, D.C. after moving from Israel. She was incredible. I see her in my kids, and I'm thankful for that. It's hard not to tear up as I share about her. Since she passed away, I started these projects to try to share her light and inspire as many people as I can as a way to keep her soul elevated and her memory alive. Kaddish is a beautiful way to do this. Saying the prayer out loud as others join in with Amen is a moving ritual. And as I'm sharing this, we just finished Yom Kippur, which last year marked the last day that I was to say Kaddish for my mom. In some ways, it was a relief, as her only son having the sole responsibility weighed on me. But at the same time, it makes that ritual that much more meaningful. So the connection born of the ultimate need is one that is very transformative. Last week, we covered the Torah is synonymous with song. And as an introduction to this week's parasha, which is one long song titled Ha'azinu, when I think of song, I think of my mom because she was always so supportive of me pursuing music as a career and always came to the opening nights and the various events and music festivals that I would produce and perform. We connected on so many different things, but one of the most special was going to concerts together. Two in particular stand out. One was Buena Vista Social Club, and the other was seeing McCoy Tyner at the Blues Alley in DC. Adam signed the cover of my all-time favorite album, A Love Supreme, which he was such a big part of with John Coltrane. These memories remind me that what I had with my mom was a love supreme indeed. Song has always been the big connector. It doesn't matter the language, the soul still feels the heart of the music and the body its rhythm. As we covered last week in Rabbi Nachman's Azamla, the same way we must find the good points in each other and ourselves, so as to feel more aligned with each other and the universe, music is born of the act of sifting through the bad notes to get to the good notes, as beautiful melodies are the various combinations of the good notes. As Rabbi Aaron said, Hashem is the singer and we are the song. We have to work to be in concert with one another. This brings to mind a verse by one of my favorite producers, Pharrell. Did you ever realize the universe just means one song? Your soul knew it all along. You were dancing when you were born. This is also a moment when he was in conversation with Rick Rubin when he said something incredible. I'm blown away by the chord progressions that make me feel something I've never felt before. Chords are coordinates. They send you to a place. I think what Pharrell is referring to, beyond the new spaces the new melodies take each of us to, is that the places are spaces within yourself and others where alignment is reached. Everyone has felt the unification that manifests from music. For some, it's dancing in a club and the moments where it all hits and you feel free and extremely connected with life and happy. For others, it's at a wedding where everyone is dancing together, happy for the couple, in life's moments, the music playing as the catalyst for the connection. Last week, the Torah instructed the Jewish people to write a song, which Talmud Sanhedrin explains as a mitzvah, a commandment to write a Torah scroll in one's lifetime. Rab Natan of Breslov explains that from this we learn that every person must strive to receive the Torah anew on their own personal level, and goes on to explain that Hashem gave the Torah in the form of black fire, the letters on white fire, the background. We accepted the Torah on Mount Sinai saying, Naseh v'nishma, we will do and we will hear. Rab Natan teaches that the level of Naseh we will do corresponds to the imminent intellect and is represented by the white fire, which is something tangible while the higher level of nishma we will listen corresponds to the transcendental intellect, which is represented by the black fire, something beyond our grasp, something we can't see. And we spiritualize reality trying to ascend the spiritual realm by transforming nishma to na'aseh. One way we do this is by taking the words of Hashem from the infinite and drawing them down into letter form as the written Torah. Many of us have heard that we are one nation and also one Torah scroll in which each individual is one letter, 
and so we are interdependent, equally important and one. David Sachs, one of my favorite humans, writer, producer of The Simpsons, and a frequent presenter and collaborator of my Don't Block Your Blessings Festival, explains that each letter in each of us is a musical note, and that our task is to live in harmony by being in tune and tuning each other. He gives an analogy of someone sitting at a beautiful piano and playing the black keys and the white keys, and it's not sounding right, wondering what's wrong, and just then someone comes to tune the piano. Suddenly it all sounds gorgeous. The piano is beautiful, and what was being played had the potential of beauty, but it needed to be in tune, and that's our mission. We need to uplift each other, judge each other favorably, and show love to one another. As we learned in the past, the root word for love, ahava, in Hebrew is hav, which means to give, which means love and loving is synonymous with giving. Ava has the same gematria, numerical value 13, as the word echad, the Hebrew word for one. And so to reach oneness and love, we have to be in tune with each other and ourselves. When we share our oneness and our love, that is 13 plus 13, then we get 26. And as many of us know, 26 is the numerical value of Hashem's four-letter name, the Tetragrammaton, the ultimate divine infinite light. In the days leading up to Yom Kippur, when everyone's supposed to ask each other for forgiveness, we are afforded the sacred space of reflection, a time in which we can rid ourselves of the weight that holds us back from being truly happy. Too often we hold on to disappointments and fears that will inevitably come up in various relationships, usually brought about by not fully communicating exactly how one feels, or how one was hurt, or how one could be unhurt, or not judging the other favorably, or even putting themselves in the other's shoes, and only seeing things as a victim through one's own perspective. These are the complicated aspects of life that feels beyond our control. They make us feel like they're, as David Sachs would call it, is dissonance. The key to it, as Dr. David Hawkins teaches, and as Deepak Chopra began his mantra of meditation that I attended a couple weeks ago, is letting go, to continuously let go and let flow. That's when you could feel in tune with yourself and jump back into the symphony of life and its full potential. As I think back to saying Kaddish for my mom, it always ends in the same way. Just as the Shemona Esrei, the silent 18 blessings prayer ends, Oseh Shalom Bimramav, he who makes peace in his high places. This year I was thinking about the words more than ever, discovering how Shalom, peace, is where blessings exist. Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs shared a powerful moment when someone asked Rabbi Shmuel Salan, a rabbi who spent a lot of his time resolving family disputes, how he would make peace in conflicts between people. Rabbi Salan looked at this person and asked him, what do you do when you say the words Oseh Shalom? The person replied, I take three steps back. Rabbi Salant said, that, and went on, is how peace is made. Each party has to take three steps back. To make peace, we must compromise. We have to sacrifice some of what we want for the sake of what someone else wants. Without the ability to take steps back, the ability for peace is paused. So let's jump into the Parsha, the Song of Hazinu, which is laid out beautifully in the Torah. Between the two prose orations, which serve as an introduction and a conclusion to the 70 verses that make up the whole. In a modern sense, it's a poem, but according to the Rambam, based on Talmud Rosh Hashanah, it's a shir, a song, because Israel always says it with singing and music. It's also written as a song in the Torah because a song has breaks indicating when one pauses in melodies. The Levites in the Beit HaMikdash would sing the shirah to accompany the Musaf service on Shabbat. They would have a six-week cycle of singing the shirah on Shabbat by dividing it into six parts and singing another part every Shabbat. In a prose sense, the introduction to the Shirah of Azinu is found in the second half of the chapter, 31, 16 through 30, broken into two sections. The first is Hashem's words to Moshe in verse 16 through 21, and the second, verse 26 onward, is Moshe addressing the Levites, handing them the book of the Torah that he had just written, including the addition of the song Hazinu, 
and commanding them to put the Torah alongside the ark, that it may be there as a witness against you. The song ends with Moshe sharing the song of reiterating that it is through the heart that the words must resonate. So each person is inspired to observe the mitzvot going from nishma to naaseh. The verses read as follows. 32, 44. And Moshe came and spoke all the words of this song in the ears of the people, he and Yahshua, the son of Nun. 45. And when Moshe made an end of speaking all these words to all of Israel. 46. He said to them, Set your heart to all the words wherewith I testify against you this day, that you may charge your children wherewith to observe to all of the words of this Torah. The language and imagery in parts of this poem are a bit harsh at times, but so is life. And as Ramban has pointed out, all but the final redemption has come to pass. He sees this shira as a prophecy. Other religions read this last section as if it had already taken place and that there was no future for the Jews. But Ramban, much like Rabbi Akiva, proved that the last events hadn't transpired yet because they refer to the final redemption. Rabbi Akiva laughed when he saw foxes come out of the Holy of Holies because it showed that the prophecy of the destruction had been fulfilled. And so certainly the prophecy of the redemption will be fulfilled just the same. And it's just like this in our own lives. We rise up from our own adversities, our own destructions, and redeem ourselves from the experiences to grow. As Muhammad Ali said, there's nothing wrong with getting knocked down as long as you get right back up. These Aseret Yumei Tshuva, 10 days of repentance, are a time to realize so much of what is holding us back is in our own control. We are the luckiest and most privileged generation. We need to focus on all the blessings we do have and not focus on the ones that we don't. Our vessels can only receive more blessings when they are open and aligned with receiving. All of this is about loving and creating love for others, which always brings to mind what the Lubavitcher Rebbe said so beautifully. You already belong. You are already holy. You are already loved. Now you too must love, and by loving, help others feel that they also belong. As David Sachs so beautifully stated, we need to tune ourselves and tune each other so that we may be in tune and not dissonant. The piano and player could both have all the potential in the world, but if the piano isn't tuned, no one, including yourself, will connect to the tune. May we go into the new year in tune with each other, in tune with the universe, and of course, in tune with ourselves. Dive in deeper at lightofinfinite.com.